Welcome to the second hour of the Tom Dupree Show. That's by uh, Steve Earle from an album called El Corazon. It probably came out, gosh, maybe 20 years ago, 15, anyway. It's called Telephone Road. Now, what is and where is Telephone Road? It's in the southern part of Houston, kind of parallels 288 not going really to Galveston, but more down to like Freeport. And uh, it's pretty raunchy. It is, a, it is a raunchy road. and But there's all kinds of really interesting stuff on it. It's not just um, honky-tonks and low-rent restaurants. It's also got like some scientific shops that sell really specialized uh, optical things and that they use in the oil industry. You know, go ahead. Steve Earle's playing uh, this weekend at the Borough. That's what I was going to say. He's playing in Lexington. I've tried to talk to his people, but the typical arrogance of the music industry is that they don't need to talk to you. So I would have liked to have interviewed him. If something changes, maybe it changes. But anyway, uh, you know, uh, anyway, so that's Telephone Road, which is a real place in Houston, Texas. And the thing you got to understand is a city like that, you have some really super nice places, like around the Galleria, very, very pristine and beautiful. But that's maybe... (laughs) 12% 12% of the whole town. The other 88% that you don't typically go to if you're just there visiting can be super raunchy. And, and I mean, there's like literally 
not just acres and acres of that. There's square miles of that, <laughs> lots of it. And uh, I like to go in the raunchy areas because <laughs> I just like to see what's there. And that's how we kind of do our stock research, too. <laughs> what was that company we went to visit in Chicago that time? It was some peanut company. Turned out that they, the only stock trading on the market was the uh, beef. The the B share, yeah, yeah. Right, right, and it, it it represented nothing. Right, yeah. It was called JB San Felipe. <laughs> yeah, and the B shares were trading for like twelve bucks a share, and they basically you didn't own anything because here's why you didn't own anything: you didn't have a vote. Yeah, don't ever buy stock that's non-voting. Yep, just don't do it. If you don't have a vote or if it's not a bond or a preferred that has a first claim on the, the thing, don't buy it. You will not make money. There's plenty of things out there that trade that are nuts. Anyway, I, I'm not really trying to get into that. Um, okay, here's a couple of so uh, songs. Um, <laughs> stories. World's growing thirst for American gas tests u.s ability to meet demand we're talking about natural gas exports of american lng that's liquefied natural gas are booming but constraints at home and abroad limit how much natural gas the u.s can add to global supplies okay there's an obvious arbitrage you know gas is selling for i don't know thirty dollars a million BTUs in Europe and it's selling for eight or seven here. So in order to liquefy natural gas, you have to compress it to its freezing point. It then becomes liquid at something like, I don't know, 40 below zero or some stupid low number. And it goes in those tankers in that liquid form freezing real cold and then they take it over there to europe and they probably re uh, uh gasify it and and let it uh, melt and but you can transport it in the liquid uh manner uh a lot more of it because i think when you freeze it it also condenses it right so Shrinking flows of, of, of Russian natural gas to Europe have triggered a global race among U.S. allies to secure American gas exports, testing the country's ability to meet fast-growing demand. Well, with the uh, advent of fracking, so whenever you go in, to when you go into either an existing oil well or a new one and frack it, which means you basically set off explosives down in the well to fracture the, the rock formation around it to break it into little shards to allow for a freer flow of gas and oil. Uh, wherever there is oil, there's also natural gas. So if, you know, the problem that you have is drilling these oil wells so they're close to a gas pipeline because in many cases the oil just goes in a tank and gets trucked away or taken away by train 
but the gas has to go in a pipeline. And so you have to get a pipeline into the, in near the well and then suck the gas off of it into the pipeline. You got to, you know, pressurize it and you have to have the compressors and everything. But, um, we have a pretty, um, pretty, uh, elaborate system of pipelines throughout the U S that's one of the companies we invest in. As a matter of fact, uh, in, in, uh, in order of, of full disclosure, uh, Kinder Morgan is one, but, um, even with the huge amount of gas that we have, we're still not giving them enough. So, right. So uh, the U S you know, as you mentioned, has tremendous pipeline infrastructure in place to transport the gas within the country. Uh, it requires a whole you know, other type of infrastructure to liquefy it, uh, you know, and export it through uh, ports and take it to other countries. So that infrastructure is being built. One of the biggest companies that does that is a company called uh, Chenier. LNG is a LNG symbol. is a symbol, yes. We don't own that one. Uh, and now there are others. Uh, but that infrastructure is just being built, you know. So this... Uh, the U.S. has an abundance of uh, natural gas, and this is a significant uh, economic opportunity. Uh, this was already known, and the infrastructure was being built over the last 10-plus years, but now this uh, you know, war has made it even more uh, you know, apparent that uh, the sources where, these, where, where the gas comes from is very important. So uh, a lot of the gas that Europe and... Uh, other Asian countries get from places like Russia or, you know, other parts of uh, Central Europe or Eastern Europe uh, is going to increasingly come from places like the U.S. once this infrastructure is ready. So it's a multi-year process, but it's also going to be a significant economic opportunity for companies, oil and gas companies, and pipeline companies that transport this gas to these ports to export it. Right. Um. It seems to me that there's probably a oil and gas in Europe, but the drilling uh, restrictions are significant uh, from country to country. I know Poland's got to have lots of, of, of gas because they have a lot of coal. Right. And wherever there's coal, there's typically oil. And, uh, you know, I don't know why they don't have a bigger uh, drilling industry over there because it seems like it's there. Uh, I'm I'm sure there is. Yes, it's just the infrastructure may not be in place. So the right. inf- the infrastructure that the U.S. has has been, you know, it's it's a multi-decade sort of deal. You know, it's been around. It's been built for many many years. Yeah, a long time. Yes. So it's not easy to create that infrastructure quickly. And plus, the regulations are more stringent in Europe. So it probably takes a lot longer to even get. Well, and then the capital going. costs of building the pipelines. Right. right. So. One of the companies that we used to own was uh, San Juan Basin Royalty Trust. As symbol was SJT. It, this was a, it's a royalty trust where the owner of the stock, in this case, San Juan Basin Royalty Trust, owns a royalty interest in the wells. The gas wells were actually drilled into coal deposits. It's called coal bed methane. 
you know, the, the, the active ingredient in natural gas is methane. That's the thing that really burns. It, sometimes natural gas is almost all methane. Sometimes it's got a lot of other things in it uh, that uh, have to be uh, separated from the methane. But uh, this uh, uh, drilling uh, arrangement would, would drill into the coal and then the methane would escape from the coal um, structure, geological structure, and come up and it's pretty good gas. It's very dry. It's like 980 BTU. Thousand is about the exact same thing. So there, this was a lot of this is in Colorado. It is said that the state of Colorado alone could supply the U.S. energy needs for like 70 years. You know, it's just got so much. So there's a lot of oil and gas out there. It's completely politically incorrect right now, uh, especially with the current administration. Uh, it's this idea that it's all destroying the environment. It's a war against fossil fuels. But I've heard and listened to a lot of dissenting voices that say we're not causing uh, global warming. So, you know, it takes a lot to go against that. But uh, the other interesting thing on the where they're, you know, liquefying and shipping it, um, you look at uh, the what used to have the spread between WTI and Brent crude. And it's not there anymore, uh, or not not as wide. It's very small spread now because of the globalization. You know where we where the U.S. brought on so much more supply that spread closed. And what you're seeing, I mean, this is in a in a environment where everybody's talking about onshoring. You know, bringing everything back. This is actually a globalization. It, it's an arbitrage, like you said. You can sell it there for thirty, but as that's gas. Right, but oil's that, much about. tighter. Yeah, and that's what I'm talking about. With gas, uh, it's an arbitrage, but it's also the movement of that good, the globalization of it. And so as the technology continues to get better, more efficiencies, then you're going to continue to see that spread contract like you have with WTI and Brent. You know, I'll never forget when we went to uh, Scandinavia, uh, in 2016, we flew back to Dublin from um, the airport in Stockholm. And, of course, Sweden is to the east of Norway. So you're coming across the ocean and you see the Norwegian coast from 35,000, 40,000 feet. And I could look down. And the oil rigs look tiny down there. And I could even see the service helicopters coming out there. And you could see the Norwegian oil and gas infrastructure in the North Sea. The uh, major uh, energy company in Norway used to be called Statoil. It's now called Equinor. But uh, they have some massive gas wells in the North Sea, major size. And all of that gas goes to England. I'm sure they're doing extremely well. 
with that natural gas right now, be my guess. Yep. I'm, I'm sure, yeah. It's just that the the demand is pretty high in Europe, and that's just not enough to, you know, fulfill that demand. Um, so now it's become a major uh, geopolitical issue. Um, and that's where this opportunity is for the U.S. to, you know, try and fill that gap. Right. Now, uh, the next article is from Barron's by Elizabeth O'Brien. says, forget the stock market. This is the big risk for retirees. And basically, the uh, what the article is saying is that the chances that you will outlive your assets. Now, <clears throat> this is why I've always said, if you can stay employed doing something as long as you can, um, that that's a good thing, because, um. Number one, we know, and, 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 and we've been at this long enough to now know firsthand that people that stay busy doing something, it's healthier for them if they don't. Yeah. You, can, you can testify to that. Absolutely. Because you've seen it time and time again. Yep. I mean, in other words, you have proof, <laughs> right? Seen it with my own eyes. With your own eyes. Yep. Where people who retire and don't do that much kind of go downhill, and the ones that stay active and involved, they stay alive more. Absolutely. They're more connected to life. So I believe that there's been this falsehood pawned off on America for years, this idea of retirement. It's time to quit, go move to Florida, and don't do much. It's not good for you. Yeah. Not saying anything negative about Florida or any place else you might retire. Rock Castle County for me. Um, <laughs> it's just not the best thing for you. Right. And we've seen it. And it, it has to do, I mean, financially. Um, let's say you're 65 and you enjoy what you're doing or you have hobbies where you can well, – well, where you stay gainfully employed in some capacity. That's let's say, and let's say you actually do retire at 70. Let's just compare 65 to 70. That's five years where you're not drawing on the pot of money that you've saved. Right. Uh, or not drawing as much either way. Um, and you're more engaged and, and I guarantee <laughs> That's a, that's a strong word Excuse in this me. business, but I guarantee it um, that you won't worry as much. And, no. and no, because you won't have as much time to sit there and look at CNBC, exactly or your computer all day. Exactly. We've seen it so many times that <clears throat> you know, what's supposed to be relaxing, actually your, your stress levels increase because you start watching the stock market daily, hourly. And you, I hate you to worry. say this, I hate to generalize especially doctors. <laughs> no, absolutely. It's it been is our it's been our well, experience. Because because they have active minds, they're intelligent and their mind has to be doing something. Yeah. And if they're not active, it starts eating itself. It's, it, yeah, it's right. <laughs> it, it has to find something to keep it 
entertained and active. Yeah. And a lot of times it, it'll gravitate to the dark side. <laughs> the dark side. <laughs> um, and but, it's not a good thing. We've seen it. You have to stay busy. Now, I'm not saying you have to have a job per se, but you should be doing something that you are gainfully employed at, that you get up and you have your marching orders for the day. Yeah. It's just not a good thing. People say, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do today. Well, I don't buy that. Yeah. That's not healthy. If, if you do that on a vacation for a week or two, that's fine. But you got to get back to a routine because that's how people live. Yeah. I love it when, when our clients come in that are retired and one of the first things they say, you know, you've heard, everybody's heard it a million times. Um, you know, I don't know when I had time to work. Well, what that means, that tells me immediately that they're staying busy. Uh, at least, at least right now they're staying engaged, staying busy. They have hobbies, whatever it may be. Um, but just as a side note too, real quick, if you're looking to get a job in retirement, start a new career or whatever it may be, this is the best environment we've had maybe ever for and you to be able to do that. And it's also a hell of a good environment to invest in stocks right now. Let's talk about how cheap yeah. some things are in the next half of the hour. You're going to want to stay tuned with Tom Dupree, Mike Johnson, and our world traveler just returned <laughs> hot off the airplane, a Darsh Mushroom. Okay, so what else? You're listening to the Tom going to do that part? I'll let you. Okay, you're listening to the Tom Dupree Show. Stay with us. It's News Radio WIP 630 WIP. Back on the Tom Dupree Show. So this is uh, one of the songs from the Magical Mystery Tour album that came out in, I don't know, 1967, 66. I don't remember which year. In the summer, there were maybe five hits from that song, from that album playing simultaneously. Penny Lane, Baby You're a Rich Man. Uh, hello, goodbye. Are you kidding me? Strawberry Fields Forever. That was on there. I already said Penny Lane. All you need is love. That's those are just some of the songs. Every one of those charted, if you will. 
But this is a song that was from that album called Your Mother Should Know. And uh, it's, it shows the side of the Beatles that uh, it's really uh, kind of almost vaudevillian. It's not really at all what you would call like a rock group, you know. It's almost English tea music, sort of, you know, something that they would play at a, a, a pub in the afternoon with old people sitting around drinking a pint of, uh, of, uh, of ale or something. Yeah. It's not at all like what you think of as, uh, I mean, this is, uh, you know, it's not that kind of music. It's, it's different. You can't even categorize what it is. So, uh, it's just, um, what, what kind of music is it? Turn it back up again. another song from that album I mean how do you do that kind of songwriting and not be I mean I think they were all really good on their own they didn't even approach what they were together yeah yeah not even approach it yep George Harrison has a style and it's in all of his songs Paul McCartney kind of gets John Lennon just goofy you know he had like one or two really good songs afterwards they were not as good as they were together right uh, it's I mean it's it's like a good sports team it's like any good yeah, team it, I mean it's they like they play so well together you complement uh, each other you you I mean yeah it's just if you gel you mesh uh, the 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 outcome's great. Yeah, and and so what what do you do when part, turn it back up again one more time? The man with the foolish grin is keeping perfectly still. All from the same album. And these aren't even the hits. Huh. Well, yeah, no, I mean they're not the big hits. And he never gives an answer, but the fool Listen to those instruments they're bringing in, like a flute. Yeah. There's even a flugelhorn on some of this. I mean, a, a, or a tuba. Uh-huh. I don't know. Sorry about that. Thanks for indulging me. I just, I'm so glad I was born during the time that I was born during and got to be the way I got to hear the things that I got to hear. I kind of feel sorry for you, Missy, growing up in the 80s. (laughs) Uh, You know, I just, I don't know. You're not that much younger than me, but you are definitely younger. There is a generational difference. Don't <laughs> try to pretend there's not. There really is. 
I was I'm definitely a enough, closet George Michael fan. I, I'm old enough to be your older brother. <laughs> okay, let's just let's always keep that straight. All right, all right. Let's go back to this thing about the stock market. Now, if you really examine what it costs to do things. You need to, if, if you don't have a massively large stock portfolio that goes up all the time, <laughs> we're still looking for those, the ones that go up all the time. If you don't have that, you know, there's a chance you may have to have income from other places. Now, it's not something that you should worry about, but it is something you should think about because the productive person is a person who's looking for um, a solution. You know, when do you, I don't know about anybody else in this room right here or listening right now, when do you do most of your worrying for me it's not in the middle of the day when i'm doing stuff and kind of in the game it's at three o'clock in the morning yeah when i can't control anything when i wake up and i can't get back to sleep because i'm worrying about something that i can't fix that's when i worry I don't typically sit in the middle of the day at three o'clock in the afternoon and worry about the stuff going on in my life because I'm, I'm able to kind of do something about it yeah. and take action, which I do. You know, there, there's only so much now, if you're an outstanding investor, you do a great job and you, you grow your money, you can do really well and not have to work, but not everybody's in that category. Well, Yes, but if you're an outstanding investor and you're doing well on the investment portfolio, that's your job. That is your job. So you're working. <laughs> yeah, you have to be working. Yeah, and, and and you're taking action or decisions not to take action. Sure. So so I mean, even at that, it's it's like the idea of retirement is morphed to letting your brain just go idle. That's never it's, a good thing. It's, it's like that's what the that's what's peddled to people. You know, you you relax, which AKA you're letting your brain idle, um, and, and that's not the case. I, I don't even if even if whatever asset that you have, you 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 can't do that, um, and so it staying active in some capacity, physically, mentally. Um, I, I was reading an interesting article, flip side of the coin. Um, this was, you know, talking about younger people that were, you know, adhere to the fire, uh, financial independence, retire early thing. Yeah. And, uh, this guy, he was 45 and, uh, basically, I mean, he, he's lived in just a small portion of, he's saving everything yeah. and his quality of life for the last 15 years has been horrible and he, he was it was basically a lament of 
how bad his life had been, and he's looking forward to retire so he can start to live. It's like, I mean, you gotta you gotta balance this stuff. I mean, oh, it, it's it, there's you can go to extremes on both sides. You know, extreme yeah. spending, extreme saving. This whole thing, it's an exercise in balancing. Um, it's yeah. a balancing on the investments. It's a balancing on savings. Everything in life is about balance. Well, yeah, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, yeah, it, it is. It, it is. It I mean, is. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's you're you're look. I mean, you eat X amount. You don't. I mean, it's the only way I find balance is by being imbalanced. <laughs> I mean, it, it, this idea that everything's balanced. But, yeah, you're right about that. That is true. Um, I think that uh, if you're really doing, in my way of looking at it, what God wants you to do every day, you get up, you believe that you have a mission for that day, you're going to be right where you're supposed to be. And you have to do that and and stick to it and don't lose track of it. So, um the stock market or the investment market, if you make that the only thing you think about, then the thing that's supposed to be helping you sustain doing things becomes the whole thing you look at. Now, if that's what you really like doing and you love investing and you love it as a as kind of a pursuit, almost apart from whether you're making money at it, which if you're good at it, you will make money. But if you like the sport of it, then that's another thing altogether. That can be some kind of a full, uh, uh, full-time deal. Mm-hmm. All right, I didn't get a chance to look at this. You guys talked to, about this. So the, the next one, um, the, it's, the title's Hoarding Cash, Don't Swing at Every Yield Pitch. Uh, what, it, what it's writing about are high-yield savings accounts. Um, but more importantly, this applies, uh, to not, to not chase things, um, be it yield, be it, um, quote unquote safety guarantees that are being pitched right now. Um, there are so many things out there is it's like these high yield, uh, savings accounts. Well, they're high yield because, there's issues with them. They're being they're being sold as stable value, but they're not stable value. They're not money market because there's there's some risk in there. Um, the same thing with I've, I'm seeing it more and more right now. Um, these these various uh, index annuities, different things. I was on a call with someone today that that has a couple. We're getting the details on it. They're they're sold based on fear, um, and there's all these. If qualifications, if this event happens, right. then the annuity guarantees this. If this, then that. If this, then that. And all those ifs are qualifiers that let the insurance company not pay. It, basically, it tilts right. it in their favor. All the ifs tilts it in the insurance company's favor. Um, and anytime you have a market upheaval, volatility, um, you're going to have these things coming out, and they're all kind of gimmicky. Uh, they're trying to – it's it's a money grab, you know, be it from an annuity or from something that's touted as high-yield safe, that type of thing. Uh, it's a money grab. Um, and so what we do, it's, it's 
it, you ought to like write a book about it. I mean, you'd, you'd be probably sh- about like four chapters in, you'd be so mad, you'd be sticking your <laughs> fist through the wall. Well, I mean, I mean, you've seen it happen to people. You yeah, just, you've seen people get victimized by it. Absolutely. That's the thing that 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 would kind of. I mean, you're awful young to be mad about something like this. <laughs> but no, I'm kidding you. No, I mean, but the the fact is, with where you sit, yeah, you've seen it absolutely, and. Annuities can be used properly. Um, they can be. They they're a they're a tool that, when used properly, can be used to the person's advantage. No, no. I've seen it happen where it works. Yeah, for, to somebody. Absolutely. But that being the beat all, end all, cure all thing for everything, no, it's not it. Not it's not how it works. And so be careful anytime. If it's whatever it is, if they say that this this product is going to fix everything for you, be careful. Uh, we don't do that on this show. We're not talking about a product. No. Um, we talk about an approach. Yeah. A, a, a philosophy. That's right. <laughs> and and that's that's a big difference. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I mean, the reason we laugh is because we do kind of laugh at stuff around here because we try not to take ourselves too seriously. Now, Missy and Elizabeth would rather that we did take ourselves a little more seriously. But, um, you know, I mean, you've got to have that kind of orderliness that somebody has to be the school teacher every now and then. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying that as a negative I promise you that's that's not meant to be negative, okay? You're not saying anything. This is really worrying me. Somebody's got to be the grown-up. <laughs> <laughs> well There played. you go. Okay, that, well was, that, was, that was what I was looking for. Okay, I got the response. The, 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 the point is, <laughs> I'm sorry. We have a lot of fun around here. We know that stuff can come and go. We've seen things happen. Markets can take it and give it away. But, you know, I have had a great time this summer gardening. It's been the most fun time I've ever had. You're dealing with the earth. What will it produce? What do you put in to get out what you get out? I use a lot of uh, mulch and stuff, and I don't know what's going to grow what. Because it's a it's an experiment. Uh, I planted these pumpkins and they just weren't doing anything, and we were spraying them. But I started filling this water bucket and pouring the water directly on the roots, a lot of it, and they just needed their their real uh, high maintenance to get them going. And so I just had to pour the water right down, and now I'm getting leaves all over them. Acorn squash right next to them, those suckers look like they could grow on the side of a rock somewhere. I mean, they're just exploding. So different things are different. Markets are like that, too, because they are organic. They do involve – they're a living thing. And why are they living? Because people are involved in giving and taking. And if you don't think a market's a living thing, you go in some bazaar in India or or Egypt or – any place, you know, that's not the U.S. where people are interacting and buying and selling and trying to, you know, get the best deal, you know it's an organic thing. And, and you know that Adam Smith, when he was talking about the invisible hand, 
is exactly right because markets know how to set their own prices. There's nothing, nobody's sitting there saying oil should be at $100 a barrel. The market that is buyers and sellers coming together, they're agreeing on a price. So you've studied markets. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that, that's true, yes. And uh, um, I, I think one of the realizations that, you know, we've had and societies have had uh, is that the best mechanism to set prices is by letting the market set prices versus, you know, whether it be an authority or a government trying to set prices because that always creates unintended consequences. So the market has a natural uh, mechanism where buyers, sellers interact and depending on what, uh, what uh, value the product or the service has for the buyer, you know, the seller uh, uh, is only able to sell that, uh, you know, product or service for that, that price. So it, it's a very, uh, you know, a, a very well-functioning mechanism. Right. And I think they have been for years. Um, we, you'll hear in the next hour me talking about what I think is going on in these markets these days. So go ahead. You had something. No, I was just going to say, talking about a well-functioning market, <clears throat> you, you look at various asset classes out there, be it real estate, um, publicly traded stock, just compare those two publicly traded companies versus real estate. Um, you have, you almost, almost always have an active buyer, a number of active buyers for a publicly traded company, especially one with large volume, the bid-ask spread. Yeah, that's the only way very, you have liquidity. It's very, very Several tight. Players. Very tight with a, with a large company um, with a lot of volume uh, versus you look at a piece of real estate, you could have a massive spread. And if you only had two buyers coming in, yeah. it could be a massive spread. So in a well-functioning liquid market, um, you have that ability to get in, get out. Um, and where you see some massive opportunities sometimes is when that market kind of dries up a little bit and you can buy things because there aren't as many buyers um, right. and, or you just have more sellers that particular day, the market's going down, but that's when you can get good companies. Because good the market prices. is efficient long-term, but inefficient short-term. Right. I mean, that's been my experience. Yes. I could be wrong, but, but I, I think that that that's what I have seen is that the market can be massively inefficient over the short term, but very efficient in the long term. Yeah, I mean, if if it was efficient uh, in the short term, then we wouldn't have these bubbles, yeah. you know, that we've seen periodically. Right. Um, and it's driven purely by sentiment, greed, and fear in the near term, not not really by what the value of something is. When I get older, losing my head many years from now, will you still be sending me So this is like when... This is a retirement song. At the time that they were like 24 years old, the Beatles were. This was from uh, Strawberry Fields. Or, uh, no, uh, what's the name of that? Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Arts Club Band. And 
Okay. Been listening to the Tom Dupree Show. Stay with us for hour number three.